Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Templo Talk, a Mayans MC podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike D'Angelo. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Mayans, which is closing in on the end of its fifth and final season on FX. Okay, Mike, we've talked the last couple of weeks wondering when the body count was going to increase. Are you happy now? <laughs> yeah, nothing happened this episode. I, I don't know. I don't, we should probably just speed through this because there's nothing, nothing good, right? Nothing of note. I can't, honestly, I can't think of that one thing that happened. Yeah, the, the first step that happened, I'm like, whoa, that's what Charles was like. You need to watch it now. And then, yeah, and then it just kept happening. I think it, the bodies piled up quickly in this episode. Yeah, so to give like, people yeah. to give people context on what Mike just said, I watched, we get the episodes early, and I watched it, like, immediately. And Mike was, uh, you were out of town. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you got to watch, you got to watch, got to watch. Uh, I've been to, to say I've anxiously been awaiting this discussion is an understatement. I've <laughs> I'm excited to, to talk about this episode. So, yeah. So for this episode, we're covering the latest installment of season five of Mayans, which is titled to fear of death. I eat the stars. This is the seventh episode of the season. And yes, it's full of death. So as always, we're going to break down the new episode, talk about what happened, what we think is coming next. Then at the end of the episode, stick around because I have another interview. Uh, this time I got the chance to uh, to speak with someone from the cast I've been wanting to talk to for a long time now, Joseph Lucero, who plays Creeper. Why do you think I talked to Creeper? You'll no have idea. to find. Yeah, you'll have to find out. No, we 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 talk about his death, um, okay. plus a lot more, especially about his time before Mayans. Um, because if you don't know Joseph Lucero's story, it's pretty inspiring. So stick around for that. It's pretty good. Awesome. But before we get to our discussion of the latest episode, I got to tell you the Temple of Talks part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Deep Focus, the Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. If you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice. You know the ones, Apple, SoundCloud, all of those. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's get into it. Let's not bury the lead here. People die. But there's this interesting kind of subplot through this where uh, we, we start not with death, but we start with the Broken Saints who take Letty in. Last we saw Letty, she was uh, seemingly captured by Isaac and told that, you know, uh, your father took something from me and now you have to do something for me. Right. And surely this couldn't have anything to do with it. No, no, no. Letty <laughs> just randomly finds herself needing needing a place to stay. Um, it's pretty yeah. clear. Uh, we'll just we'll kind of skip through this one a little bit because it's it's pretty clear that Letty is actually there for ulterior motives. Um, but what it does do is it gives us a really good kind of peek behind the curtains of the Broken Saints, because every time we've seen them up until now, we've seen them from the perspective of the Mayans coming. So mm -hmm. they've always been on their guard. They've never really been welcoming. And this time we see how they react to a, a new, quote unquote, recruit. Uh, what did you think of of kind of their little society? Yeah, it's it's always interesting to learn more about this this group of women, because they are very caged off, very purposely so, um, because of 
all of their collective pasts. And it turns out, you know, one of the unspoken rules is that they don't really need to talk about it um, until they're ready, which uh, is, is that's also an in interesting. Is that the first scene that we see them or is that later on where she tries to like, uh, it, it, I think yeah, that's when so, they're smashing appliances and shit. Yeah. So they take Letty in and they give her the basic rundown. Basically, you know, this is a place for, for women and children to kind of escape. You, you chip in, you do your work, you keep your head down and we give you a safe home. And mm -hmm. then they teach her how to, uh, how they make money, which, well, they don't teach her really how they make money, which is in the drug trade now, but she does learn that they they scavenge for copper stuff like that and appliances and it's during that scene when she's breaking down appliances and kind of letting her aggression out that she then hears that she pokes a little too hard i guess and pries yeah. and they're like you know hey watch it we don't talk about trauma unless you know we're prompted or unless we want to um which you know to be fair is a pretty good way to live about live life right yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> People are kind of nosy by nature, and it's it's nice for for a society to be like, no, we don't we don't do that here. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, going to prison and being like, what are you in for? Instantly. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, you don't don't go around doing that. And right. she feels a little yeah thirsty because of it, um, but then instantly shares her story, and everyone's just like, you're not going to get any pity here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because when she shares her story, and they all just kind of look at her like. Is that it? Uh, yeah. I, I, it was almost kind of kind of emblematic of the whole thing, which is these people have all come from hardship. I think one of them even says that, like, we all have sob stories, you know, like you're you're not special. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's kind of a, a sobering kind of wake up call for Letty. Unfortunately, you know, she has other things on her mind. Yeah. Like her friend who's probably being held hostage. Right. Or maybe she is dead. Who knows? We we don't know. We don't know. But yeah, we, we assume that the whole point of this, because we then later find Letty kind of snooping around. Uh, we assume she's gathering intel for Isaac for whatever reason. Um, yeah. That's the the only thing, because she also when the Mayans come and, and do their little uh, uh, money drop off, they uh, she's like instantly trying to hide. And it's really sweet because the, the broken saints are like, oh, it's OK. Don't worry. These guys aren't going to hurt you. But really, she's, you know, being nefarious. and Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's right. They don't know that she knows the Mayans, of course. I didn't no. even think to put, piece that together. Yeah, she's just a random young girl they find kind of beaten and they want to take in. Like, if anything, it shows that the Broken Saints kind of practice what they preach, right? Like, uh, unlike right. a lot of these motorcycle clubs that we meet in the Sons of Anarchy universe, they kind of back up what they say with action and... They have some some real like I wouldn't say rules, but some like integrity um, with mm -hmm. what their their mission is and their goals. So, yeah. And, but, you know, the most we ever learn from them are these conversations that Easy's having with the the leader of the Broken Saints. Right. And they have another one of those here where it's just like they they both kind of agree that they don't think they'll ever rest again or that, you know, the sins of their past is is too much for, you know for anyone to come back with yeah there i mean you don't get into the the motorcycle gang life per se mm -hmm. the outlaw life if you've got your shit figured out right like exactly <laughs> all these people have some sort of trauma some sort of bad situation that got them there and i think that was kind of a cool scene because easy we've seen we were joking in the first few episodes that easy was kind of just like 
oblivious seemingly to how bad things were going. But I think it's finally catching up with him as he's able to take a breather that things aren't going well. And he is down a path that seemingly has no he's past the point of no return. And yeah. he he's starting to understand that. Mm hmm. But also, you know, you see his, his plan come together. But before we get into that, I do want to like the the little visit to the Broken Saints does give us a little peek yes. of, of bottles and Elio briefly reuniting, which uh, is yes. quickly slapped down. <laughs> I love it. I I I love the the excitement of 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 bottles and Elio being like amigo. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's quickly dashed because we and we, also we... bottles flirting. Yes, hilarious. And the girl totally receiving it. Yeah, was so she was vibing with him and not the the good looking guy behind him. Yeah, I think I think bottles. I think I think Garo is like trying to to steal the thunder. Got um, it. But but I think yeah, I think she's she's feeling bottles. Well, good for bottles. He needs bottles a win. Needs a win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and yeah, and, and getting to just kind of how this whole broken saints things come into, come into a head here, it seems things are going well, right? Like, you know, it's, it's this plan that we were joking is a terrible plan seems to have worked out. Um, they're making money. The broken saints are, are, are happy taking in people, but of course there's that undercurrent that will, you know, what's Letty up to, but you know, as mm -hmm. of now, it seems like it's going well. Yeah, and Easy finally gets his break with the, you know, the the prisons, sort of, where they, you know, basically bend them over and say, hey, we're taking 50%. So, yeah, let's let's uh, talk about that for a second, because yeah. uh, the next step in Easy's plan, now that the, the drugs are being uh, made and sold and, they're, and they've got money and they've got collaborators with the Broken Saints, is the, the guy who they've been selling the drugs to says, like, hey you did it <laughs> congratulations mm -hmm. you've you've secured a new pipeline you've created a new pipeline and now you've got every prison from here to what do you say like washington state yeah so basically the west coast prisons are all being uh supplied by uh the mayans uh supplied with drugs by the mayans which is good not because of just money but it also allows the the mayans to take a breather for people like creeper and and all their other brothers who are in various prisons to to you know not feel like they're about to get shivved every every second mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it also but, means they're siding with a bunch of you know unsavory racists, people that they wouldn't before yeah cops and racists and yeah. yeah the same cosplay gang that we saw them make fun of they have to get in bed with at a, a steep price um 50 yeah. which frank frankie i call him frankie hank says you know, you can't do this, but we, we then find out easy does it anyway, which we'll get to in a minute, probably why he, he does this deal. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's take a step back from that for a minute. So the next story we get is the continuation of last week's episode where we saw Adelita leave in the middle of the night to presumably kill easy uh, because that was her mission from Soledad and the LNG was, you know, kill easy before midnight and you, you and your family are free. Uh, mm -hmm. She, as we presumed, had other plans. She does not go to kill Easy. We assume that she would, you know, try to go talk to Easy and perhaps team up, 
no, she decides to take matters in her own hands. Um, but what we get is Angel wakes up. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Maverick's crying and throwing up on himself. And yeah. Easy doesn't know where Luis is. She left no note, no nothing. But in his trying to calm down Maverick, he finds the money that she's been hiding under his crib. And the wheels start to turn in his head that something's up. And he ends up going to uh, Felipe's house because, you know, he's got a, a life he has to live. <laughs> he can't take he can't take poor Maverick to the clubhouse. Um, yeah. So he takes him to, to Felipe's house, explains to Felipe or explains to Felipe that uh, Luisa or Adelita has gone. And uh, Felipe has that look in his face like, I know something you don't. When Angel <laughs> pushes him, he doesn't give up anything. So. We don't really so so Angel's kind of left wondering what the hell happened. Mm. So what is Luisa yeah. up to? Well, she goes <laughs> to uh, tell people that uh, the same guy that she talked to in the last episode or two episodes ago, I forget, uh, goes back to him and says Adelita's coming. But first, I, I forgot the big part, huh? Or no, no, she says that again. But then she then goes to that. Did they? I don't remember her name. Do you know the name of the woman with the machete from last season? No. Uh, I kind of liked her because she was a badass last season, but she's a mm. bit of an, an asshole. Let's be real. <laughs> and so uh, she's uh, the Soledad's kind of enforcer. And they're at one of the safe houses. And Adelita comes in and just starts shooting people left right and center <laughs> and like a john wick movie it's yeah. amazing we finally not finally but for the first time in a while we get to see uh luisa aka adelita kind of at her most ruthless like she was in the early seasons just murdering people uh she doesn't she she goes and she grabs i don't know what was that, like two three bags of money yep and uh, on the way out she gets shot and uh yeah so she's She's her plan is in motion. Uh, what did you think of that little action scene? Were you shocked to see her just kind of go in guns blazing? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what her plan was, but it's clear that she just ran out of time and needed all the money they could get to fund the rebellion. Um, I think she was just desperate. You know, I, I saw it as a move of desperation. Like, we don't have the time to to gather this up like I want to. So we're just going to go. Yeah. And, you know, that that always ends up positively you know just rushing into things like killing people yeah and and you're watching it and you're like oh no like <laughs> she just started a war right yeah but, exactly but we don't what we don't know is that her plan this whole time was to steal that money not for her not for angel and maverick she's been keeping her money from the cartel for that but this money is going to as you said fund the rebellion which she has been keeping track of and we are reintroduced to Minnie. Which, interestingly enough, when I'm watching this with my wife, she's like, when they mention the word Minnie or the name Minnie, my wife goes, oh, my God, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> and it's one of those you, you forgot. So who was, you're going to have to remind me of Minnie. Yeah. So Minnie was. in seasons, I think it was just seasons one and two, when uh, Adelita was running the rebellion, she Minnie was her her little like number one, you know, her, her right hand person who would help take care of the kids. It was a little girl. She was a little girl. Yeah. And she just, you know, when, when Adelita leaves because of the kid, because of getting apprehended or whatever, uh, Minnie apparently has been left to her own devices and running shit, which is scary and sad. And so we see Louisa. Yeah, as soon as you get to the apartment building and it's just all kids with these 
guns on every corner of the building. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And she gets there and she's like, you know, she wants to she's not there to take over. Louisa isn't. She's there to to give the name Adelita to Minnie. Say, here's the money. Here's everything you need. Now's your time to strike. And Adel, uh, the new Adelita Mini says, you you worked for the cartel. You are now the devil. And stabs her brutally, brutally yeah. stabs her. Yeah. <laughs> and if there was any doubt of Luis's fate, it's quickly uh, answered when you just see her just lifeless body in a pool of blood. Um, Not only does she stab her, like a child stabbing Louisa, but in front of like babies. Yeah. And yeah. like other kids where you're just like, holy cow. Kind of like this so messed up. The cycle is going to perpetuate itself, right? Like right. this, the, you know, the, the trauma that Louisa saw as a kid that she then inflicted on these other kids, she is trying to save them or, or to help them. And in, in essence, she becomes the adult who gets, you know, murdered in front of kids and traumatizing them. And so, yeah, it's 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 a whole messed up situation, but it results in uh, Luisa's death, which I don't know about you. I was not expecting um, and it kind of hit me hard. I, I was just it, it just happened so fast. Yeah, I was just wondering why why many, you know, like why it had to be at the hands of it. But I suppose maybe it is because of the child of it all, like her maybe even killing that, you know, cartel leader in front of the kid again. And, you know, uh, being it, it being inevitable because of, you know, her actions and not only working with the cartel, but because of just everything she's done. So, I mean, I she mean, did. It, she she did some horrific stuff and yeah. she got in bed with the devil for for good reason, quote unquote, good reason. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, she she, you know, made the bed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, poor Louisa. Yeah. So let's talk about the the next death of the episode, which is uh, not Emily, but she meets with that mother who has been causing all sorts of problems with her from calling her a murderer in the grocery store to kind of sort of teasing a like kidnapping of Cristobal. And so Emily just wants to, to nip this in the bud. And she goes and she offers a peace treaty of sorts and says, hey, look, you hate me. I get it. I didn't do anything. Uh, you know, wink, wink. But you know, I'm going to start a suicide prevention program in your son's name. And mm -hmm. the mother's like, no, I know you murdered him. I know easy was there and, and easy pulled the trigger and we're going to turn you in and we're going to take you from your son and you're fucked. And this kind of goes to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with Emily's story is Emily turns into fierce protector and kills this lady for threatening her family. And then of course the bodyguard who we, yeah. uh, we, we really enjoyed in the last episode uh, comes to help her and teaches her kind of basically, you know, how to how to cover up a murder 101. Um, so but so does what, it even matter? Like the, the mother said that they had evidence. She was in touch with like, right. like, what was it? The district attorney. So, right. Does this solve the problem? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but what were you thinking? I mean, this isn't the first time that we've seen Emily do something kind of on this level, but yeah. Uh, it was definitely the most brutal. So what do you think yeah. of that? It was it was a dumb move of the mother to corner her, you know, it really alone. was, right? Like, what did you expect her to do? You threatened to take away her child just after talking about the bond of a mother and child. Like, that's what she's going to do. And you've, you've given her no other choice. But still, I don't think she's out of the hot water yet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, definitely. I, yeah, I don't think that's, that's the end either. Cause we also still, let's not forget. We have the, the, uh, the whole, uh, Lincoln Potter, um, Dana Delaney situation that has to work itself out too. So. Yeah. Miguel's all wrapped up and stuff and he's trying to get her to like, try again, you know, like, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So trust. after, yeah. So after Emily does this, uh, this this murder and the covers it up, she kind of has this like, uh, who knows, maybe it's the trauma, maybe it's the shock, but she then sees Miguel and like kisses him and they, uh, and they have sex and, and, and Miguel after this like act of love, I guess he kind of has a change of heart maybe. And kind of says like, Hey, there's a way that I can make this all go away. And it's our first sign that like Miguel might not want to keep staying in this business, right? Yeah, which you know, I I thought he was kind of setting himself up to to be the man again, but you never know. Maybe he's having second thoughts, or maybe that was never the plan. Yeah, yeah. It seems like second thoughts. I I think is that he's finally now that he knows that perhaps reconciliation's on the table. You know, that's that's kind of where he's going. So so yeah, that 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 happens. Let's talk about the the next death, <laughs> which is a complete shocker. So we, for a couple of weeks now, have seen the flirtation between Prospect Nestor, Nestor and, Jess. and yeah. Jess. And it's kind of been this like, will they, won't they sort of thing. And there's this really sweet scene behind the, the clubhouse where Nestor talks to Jess and says, hey, just so you know, I'm a prospect, so I'm not allowed to, to make a move, but I want to would you be interested once I patch in? And she's like, yeah, of course. And he goes, well, how about just as friends, let's go and and hang out tonight. And she's like, okay, cool. So we then cut to, oh, and then there's a funny moment where the the other bartender like barges through the door, like she's been listening. It says <laughs> about fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's this moment where, where Nestor and her are in a car and they're driving to, you know, like your typical sort of like, look out make out point sort of situation and they talk for a second and then just kind of out of nowhere Nestor pulls a gun and shoots her in the head and yeah. we then see Hank kind of show up and say like you know good job and <laughs> and they you know seemingly get rid of the body do what they have to do but we find out that this is uh they've been doing some some digging and they found that Jess is related to a woman who's dating Boston Terry from the Suns. And hey, one plus one equals two. That seems like it would be the rat. And and let's be real, she really was. And yeah. and it cost her, her life. So what do you think about that? I, I even even with like that connection, I did not sense this coming at all. Like I didn't think that they were going to pin her as the rat. Um but you know now that you, you look at it from the end of the episode and you're like, oh of course course that's what was happening but man that caught me off guard for sure well yeah because as viewers were thinking like well are they going to find out easy is the rat are they going to find out easy is the rat but they've had two rats right <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and and thankfully for easy they were able to to pin it on jess for now yeah for now right because so, paper gets out of solitary yes <laughs> okay so let's talk about creeper for a second mm-hmm we get the 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 big moment where Creeper finally gets let out of solitary. And and me and you, when we talked about Creeper getting thrown into solitary, we said really there's only, what, like three outcomes to this. One outcome is that Creeper uh, holds on to the info, believes that Easy's right and sees how it goes. 
Yeah. There's Creeper tells the club, but the club understands like easy situation and doesn't kill him. Or what we deemed the darkest ending yeah. uh, that easy puts out a hit on Creeper the second he gets out of solitary. And when you start to see the beginning of this episode and you start to see that that uh, there's now uh, the Mayans in control of the prisons, I think they were kind yeah. of telegraphing that this is what was going to happen. So Creeper gets let out of solitary. He goes to, as, as he should, immediately runs to get in line to use the phone. And right as he calls Hank, we see people get up out of their seats, approach him and just brutally stab him. And you may be wondering, where are the guards? Well, well they're watching. <laughs> they're watching. Yeah. Because guess who owns the guards? Easy Reyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get uh, the the sad, untimely demise of Creeper, um, who let's just let's just say it. His days were numbered. Yeah, his days were numbered, but he was a soldier, man. Yeah, he was. And probably the most loyal Mayan on the face of the planet. Right. Mm hmm. Like this is a guy who, when he got put in the middle of a sting operation, just turned himself in and yeah. and confessed to all of the crimes of the Mayans. And then for his his payback, he finds out that the man who he took the fall for is actually a rat, and he's just trying to tell his brothers, and he gets brutally killed. Um, so Don't what? Fuck what with easy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, like we were saying, we, we kind of saw this coming, but but what was your thought when you saw it actually happen? I just kept, you know, like, it, if those guys were, you know, tipped to kill him, why did they wait so long? I know dramatic, uh, you know, yeah, uh, timing yeah. and tension, you know, and all that stuff. It worked well in the episode, but I kept going, why did they even <laughs> let him get that far? Like, <laughs> stab him in line or when he's walking through. You got the green light from the guards, from everything. But, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, it, it definitely was dramatic tension. Yeah. Yeah. You thought maybe he'd get maybe a word out to, to Hank and he would sense something. But no, right at the last minute. Uh, and then adding to the tension was that uh, was that Easy had called a, a meeting at Templo and all of the guys were putting their phones away. And right as Hank is about to put his phone away, it rings and it's it's the prison system. And. Yeah, and and then you know when Easy says what did what did Creeper have to say? He goes, "Oh, we just got cut off." You're like, "Ah, oh, damn, 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 yeah. damn." Yeah, so, well, but also, of course, yeah, of course, that's yeah, right. yeah. It's just a bummer because uh, when I when I talk with with Lucero Joseph Lucero in the interview, I ask him this, and it and and I in my mind it's tragic because I think Creeper had the chance to be happy right like mm. he had this woman who she's maybe not the perfect woman but she clearly loved him and he loved her and uh this being cody the the undercover cop and she really did do everything she could to make him okay and protect him and do what she can but because of his loyalty to the mayans it ended up killing him which, well, that and you know, as soon as the trust was broken, there was no going back for them. You know, like yeah. he wouldn't have been able to trust her. I don't know, man. I I think that his loyalty kind of knows no bounds, and eventually he would have, you know, saw that she. Because at the end, remember their last interaction is her saying like, "I did everything you asked." You know, yeah. she she did. But anyway, 
it's, it's to me it's just tragic because I, I i wanted creeper to have a, a happier ending but it just feels <laughs> his name's like creeper he was i know happy, i know have a happy ending neuron neuron is his name yeah. but yeah <laughs> but yeah it was rough so anyway we get to templo where uh creeper is now dead the mines don't know it they're talking about what is the new plan which is easy made a deal with the prison systems to as he said kind of kind of flush the suns out because now the suns don't have the prisons they now the mayans uh have you know all sorts of of allegiances and everything seems to be going well yeah but then we get uh exactly (laughs) (laughs) then we get to the end yeah and well let's let's briefly talk about this there's a moment where angel says to to felipe i want to end on this because i thought it was super tragic and heartbreaking he says i'm going to come home tonight and louise is going to be there and her phone is just going to have to been been dead and everything will be okay and he goes home and she's not there yeah there's also that like super adorable moment where he just lays down with maverick and he sits up and Maverick sits up with him and just goes and plops down next to him. Oh my God. It's just like, oh, you just want to like, I don't, I know Elgin James directed this episode, but yeah. how do you get a one or two year old kid to do that? Oh like, no, you just have to capture that. Like yeah. that was magic. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I'm watching it and I'm like, either that's like the best CGI I've ever seen of a baby <laughs> or they, they really caught like a real moment. Like, man. Yeah, Man. that was, I I mean, yeah. we both have young kids and just, oh, couldn't imagine. Yeah, I, you really, really want Angel to get out of this, but, oh man, two more, <laughs> a couple more episodes. You, you can do three it. more episodes, bro. Three more. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's, let's, let's get to the end here. Um, We then get to the end of the episode where after everybody's kind of talking about how uh jess was the rat and everything everybody's kind of celebrating the fact that they got rid of the rat we get two of the other minds coming through um it's uh the the one older president who is a uh one of the ogs with marcus and kind of that guy's like second in command and they come in and they're like what the fuck and it's funny because they have that they have that music play where like it's the end of the episode everything's good and then suddenly stops yeah the music cuts and they're like what the fuck and so easy has to explain to them that you know yes they killed happy because these mayans are upset that they they went ahead and and without talking with anybody killed a member of sam crow which if you don't know uh sam crow stands for sons of anarchy motorcycle club redwood original which are the 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 people that we followed in the sons of anarchy tv show and they've kind of been largely kept out of this war. But now that they've killed Happy, even though Happy was on uh, Mayan's territory, they're worried that it could lead to Sam Crow getting involved. Yeah. And that's when we see the resurrected Jax Teller coming from back from the dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But but Angel, but uh, not Angel, I'm sorry. Easy then tells the plan. He says like, hey, look, we've got, you know, we're doing all right. Happy was an asshole. He deserved it. We've got the pipeline. We're going to squeeze out Isaac and the sons. Everything's going well. Oh, and by the way, here's a wad of cash. And yep. that kind of magically money makes everything go better. And this whole season, he's he, he just slapped some money in front of people and they've been like, well, fuck it. Uh, we're going with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, let's be real. That's kind of how this country runs, right? Like, yeah, for sure. It's It's not wrong. 
So these guys now like hugging easy and, and, you know, fill in their pockets with cash, go to walk out. And we see the final two deaths of the episode, which I didn't see coming at all. Garo, who we've, uh, is the, the young Mayan who joined the Santa Padre charter this season. It's kind of been, uh, the foil to bottles in all these episodes, it comes up and he pulls out a gun and goes right to, I believe the guy's name is Diaz, the the president, the OG, and shoots him right in the head and says, uh, that's for my father. <laughs> and without even any sort of hesitation, because there's hesitation on the the Diaz's like guy, because he he's looking shocked. Without hesitation, yeah. Bishop gets up and says, well, fuck, or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, pulls out a gun shoots and shoots the guy, right? Because he knows, like, it, it, we got to do this now. Yeah, that guy should have known to get the hell out of there. But he or just pull out his gun, you know, like yeah, do something. Exactly. But <laughs> but he was just as shocked as we were, you know. Right. Um, Bishop was the only level-headed person in there who knew who knew the score. But <laughs> but yeah. So what you know, if you've been paying attention to those uh, previously on Mayans, you'll see that they've been kind of teasing this because they've been showing that back in season, I think it was season three, uh, this Diaz guy. Uh, ordered the hit on uh, another president of the Mayans, Ibarra, during the whole Mayans versus Mayans war. And this uh, this young Santo Padre uh, Mayan Guerrero has been holding it in. Um, we saw earlier this season he got pissed because they, you know, he accused them of murdering his dad and blah, 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 which they did. But this time he takes matters into his own hands. He saw another opportunity and he took it. And... What seems to be the happy ending for this episode of death just adds two more bodies to the pile. And uh, now who the fuck knows what's happening, right? Yeah, definitely. It definitely hit easy. Like he was trying, you could see him, you know, surveying the chessboard, trying to figure out his next move. Like, ah, oh, shit, what does this do for us? Um, but ultimately, I mean, I don't know that it, it, it really do you think the the other Mayans chapters are going to revolt or are they just going to fall in line? Well, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that they can revolt. I think Easy yeah. is has proven that he's in a position of power now with the the pipeline. Uh and let's be real, Easy's gotten rid of all the all the people like uh Concha and Marcus and these guys, all that old guard are gone. Um and yeah, it's 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 hard to see anybody rising up against Easy at this point, except for Marcus. Maybe if he hears about this, Marcus will hear about it, right? Like Marcus will hear about it. But yeah, you yeah, think? Marcus. Marcus is the wild card, right? We've been wondering what the hell Marcus is going to be doing uh, mm -hmm. this season because he's kind of largely been on the sidelines. Um, and and yeah, you have to assume that uh, he's going to hear it. He's going to, you know, be super pissed. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. So overall, lots of death, huh? Yeah, five or six deaths in this one. No Jesus. big deal. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, we we definitely the the gas has been applied to um to this season so far. We are we are throttling fast towards the end. So it's going to be interesting to see just how the stakes continue to rise because. Again, we don't let's let's think about it. we don't know what what's up with Letty. We don't know what the aftermath of these deaths are going to be. And we don't know what's going to happen with with uh, the fallout of Creeper's death. There's a, or or Angel and Louisa. We just don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. 
man, so many people, you're just like, oh, they just need to run. All of them need to run. <laughs> yeah. Bottle we, scrap, Elio, go, go. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Right now, you, you're just rooting for Angel, Maverick, and Bottles, right? Me, for, personally, yes. That Those are my guys. And Sally the dog. <laughs> Sally the pity. Yeah. Oh, man, don't touch Sally. I know. Come on, man. All right. Yeah, you got that in my head. <laughs> all right well that's that's it for this episode but yes as as i teased throughout stick around i've got my interview with joseph lucero where we talk about creeper's death we talk about joseph's life before mayans when he was in prison and the son of some addicts and dealers and just crazy crazy stuff that you know it's super inspiring to hear how he's kind of turned it all around and now he's on one of the the biggest shows on tv so yeah Stick around for that. Yes, he was. Oh, was. (laughs) Shit. R.I.P. Creeper. R.I.P. Creeper. But how's your day, though? Oh, my day's great. I get to talk to you. get to talk about Mayans. There it is, right. Awesome. Except we got to talk about something sad. I've seen the the episode, so I know. (laughs) R.I.P. Creeper. I can't say that I'm surprised, but I think it's still a tragedy uh, Creeper in the series has been kind of one of the most loyal guys in the MC. He gets betrayed in such a brutal way. Uh, when did you find out about Creeper's fate uh, and what was your reaction? I've known Creeper's fate pretty much since we started. Um, just when it was going to come, you just didn't know. And how it was going to come, you didn't know, right? Um, <clears throat> this year, uh, I sat down with uh, Algin. Um, first, uh, actually, we shot the second episode first. And that's what he actually told me how and what episode was going to go down. So there was actually the before I got stabbed and it was the scene right before with Cody and Lane in the, uh, Lane and the um, in the hospital bed. So I was able to use that sadness and bring it to like find the rap. You know what I mean? So it was dope. Yeah. Yeah. And were you I mean, I, I assume you weren't shocked by the news, like knowing that that creeper is going down this path and, and kind of his history. This is probably going to happen. Right. No, yeah, definitely. Um, that's that's the when when it's tragedy like that, then you know that you know. I believe in my heart that they that they trust you. You know what I mean to be a, a beautiful part of the story, and that's what we're doing. We're storytellers, right? So I have the, I'm blessed and, and and in this position to be able to be you know here with you and to be on that 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 screen, bringing to life these words and and this story. So man, we're touching lives. So that it's it's an honor to. However it would have been, you know, even if it would have been all screwed up in, in some crazy ass way, right? I would have still took that death and, and made it a masterpiece to, to the way I know how to do it. You know what I mean? So just yeah. personal. So I wanna I wanna go back a little bit because uh yeah. I think you have an incredible story and I know you've talked about it quite a lot, but uh just for people listening now who maybe not know it, can you give kind of a brief history of your life before you started acting and then kind of how you got into Mayans? Yeah. Um you know, I uh, uh, grew up um, a little bit tough, you know, uh, from San Diego, California. Uh, mother and father uh, were uh, in the business of selling stuff, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Miguel and uh, um, and Emily. You know what I mean? It's, 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 there's some similar truths in the sense of uh, ethnicities. You know, my mother is blonde hair, blue eyes. My father is Mexican. Um, so it was like right away, you know, with, with, uh, with Elgin. But as far as for me... Um, did a lot of juvenile hall, uh, went to prison, um, got into the gangs real deep, uh, and 
I, I ran with it, man. You know, it wasn't it wasn't for show. I believed in it. I was willing to spend the rest of my life in prison. I was willing to die for it. Um, and I didn't question it. I questioned it inside. I just didn't say it outside to anybody else. You know, that there was my own insecurities. Uh, I can live with them. I can die with them. Um, and it's kind of like, and that, that hit home for me with Creeper because Creeper's, uh, if you know the backstory to the character uh, for Elgin, it's a very deep and emotional um, friend of his who is in heaven. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that really meant a lot to me from the beginning uh, as we sat in this coffee shop and really broke bread um, on life. And I opened up my life. I said, fuck it. I'm going to trust this man. This is uh, at a spot where I just need to tell him things that I probably wouldn't tell normally anybody. Um, and I did that, you know, and I did that. And that's, I believe that that just made our bond um, lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, I could not probably see him for 10 years and see him in the, in the fucking hug would be like, I seen you last week. And that's a beautiful bond. I think just, you know, from all that pain that we're talking about when you asked me that, that before I was an actor, I was just a broken little kid, man, looking for love. And I found it in the streets, in the neighborhood. It was the wrong kind of love, but it was still love, you know? And then I finally woke up. I had a child. My son was being born and I was faced with the rest of my life in prison I walked away from that life to be a father. Here I am now. It's a big struggle for me. Um, but man, this struggle is beautiful, brother. This struggle is how this is what a real man and a real father is supposed to be. So you you mentioned this, and, and I've talked with quite a few actors that have similar stories, but Elgin James seems to sit with an actor and 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 really kind of get to the to the deep into who that person is in real life and cr- trying to incorporate that uh, in their work. And as you said, Elgin has has history uh, in prison and with people and gangs and in gangs himself and and you do as well. So how much of Creeper kind of comes from your backstory and that discussion with Elgin, you said? The, everything with Creeper um, comes from the, com- the conversation between the two of us of his vision, his his brother, his friend uh, and what he lived for and and, and just the the what that individual lived for and lived by every day and the greatness and the vulnerability and the truth that he was. And then to bring my truths and who I've become. And that whole transition is basically me in real life in the sense of I did it spiritually and walked away from the life to where it was not even as cool as creeper by any fucking means. Right. Um, because they're mad at me because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a traitor or whatever because I don't gangbang no more and I just want to be a dad. I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. My kids fucking love me, right? But Creeper, he made the transition for himself to love himself in a different way because he was very loyal to the end, period. And that it was his love. That was his truth. And that is like, only can happen by sitting with somebody like Elgin who has lived experience, you know what I'm saying? That can understand his own insecurities and that's healed himself to where if he's healed himself, which I've seen from my brother, he has, that allows me to trust. And then his understanding, he's like, damn, he's feeling my pain as his own, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? And to be able to put it in a script, wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's you're gonna you you can you can really get real life to where you're just like this and you're crying. I'm crying on the TV, watching Hanks fucking talk to his mom while we're having a fucking shootout, bro. Like that that teared me up. You know what I mean? Like that's hard. 
You know what I mean? Because that's what happens. You're facing life. You want to call home and you just want to be the little boy. Mom, I love you. Come get me and save me. And then you go back to this killing death murder, right? And it's like, bam, bam, bam. And then we're, we're putting it on TV, but it's only brought like the little, the real small, like intricate details. You only know if you've actually visualized it or felt that insecurity, that shame, that pain, that fear. And that's the beauty of even elgin's change you know because he's allowed this i mean damn he used all that pain to build what he is now and he allows us to trust him and now i believe in myself even more i found worthiness i'm talking with you you know what i mean like that's beautiful brother that's something that i'm gonna i'm taking to every set with me every set i go i'm bringing this love that's just how i am anyways but that's even more now i trust somebody in hollywood that's a showrunner that has that type of outlook and touch Wow, that's man. That makes I get I got goosebumps because I know that that Hollywood is going to be blessed even more, man. That's dope. So, so you just start talking about this a little bit. I want to dive a little deeper. You are now working. You've worked for five years with Elgin, and and not just Elgin, but other members of the cast who had similar experiences to you growing up. And you're asked again because I I think with your tattoos and and just kind of your your previous history, this is you're kind of asked to be the tatted up gang guy. In a lot of stuff so what's it like to be that tatted up gang member but part of a group that kind of gets it like on my ends and that's the key thing because it's it, what you just said you're able to show you have the ability and the platform to show a certain vulnerability or we get the tap tap in and promote that this shit is cool and this life that i lived was cool and we can keep doing it off camera right but now we're able to show the 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 what's the the word i'm looking for not the transition but the um like just the, like the different shades of life, right? By being able to show you my life and show you my healing with these other guys, like Frankie, like Emilio, like Richard Cabral, like these guys that that have made these miraculous changes. And then we're actually coming together and we're telling stories. You know what I mean? Like on your TV screen and you're feeling similarities and finding similarities in your own self and your own walk and your own insecurities. And then we become one. And then we're just not just some, I am not just somebody talking this. I'm going to be open. And that's what I believe Elgin allowed me to do and us to do together collectively as a working concert with each other is that trust. We built trust. We felt we found a family. You know what I mean? To even JD, like JD, like, and I don't mean like even JD, like he's separate, but I mean like the walks of life prior to acting. If you know his father and law enforcement, you, you same thing with uh, uh, um, Rocco. You know what I mean? He grew up in LA, but still he went the, the I mean, he's heavily decorated. He's a Leo. You got us all working in concert with each other. Michael Beltran, like you're talking about, LA Sheriff, like the one of the realists right there, right? And you got us all working in concert together to bring a beautiful masterpiece ran by somebody who was in the feds. <laughs> and it's his vision. That is change as possible, brother. That is beauty. But that only comes with trust. That only comes with unconditional love and actually being see-through for each. So you so you can see my bullshit and I can see your bullshit, but we're open-minded to call each other and not take it personal and still love each other man you don't find that you don't find that that and it wasn't always like that it, it shit wasn't perfect by no means but that's the beauty of it it was true family and that's man i've been looking for that my whole life so 
seasons one and two, Creeper is part of the cast, but he's got a kind of a minor role. And then comes season three when Elgin really took over. We saw not just Creeper, but people like uh, like Frankie's Hank and and Bishop and all these people got it got more uh, more the spotlight. And season four seemed to be Creeper's season, right? What was that like when you started to see that your your character story was going to get the spotlight for so much? Uh, was that exciting, intimidating? Did it make you nervous? What was that like? I was excited. I was intimidated. I was ready to go. I was scared. I was fucking fearful. This is what if I'm not good enough? No, I am good enough. You know, all those things are all here, right? But the the beauty is that my role was to sit back and watch and to be quiet. And I learned so much. There's so much power in being quiet as a character. Emotions, the, the eyes, the look, just feeling, being alive in everybody else's words, but still being alive. That taught me so, I mean, when I say taught me so much, and it's almost like playing second string and ready to, just ready, I'm just waiting, coach. Put me in, coach, put me in, coach. And then, bam, coach put me in. Episode one, season four. Holy shit. You know, um, it, it came on a, on, a, on, a, on a sad note because we lost Pavia Navarro, great man. He rest in peace. Um, died suddenly in between three and four as we're coming out of, not coming out of COVID, but about to start working again. Um, and here was this part of Creeper when he's he runs in, he goes back to Loki and, the, and, and uh, Jess to give him the stuff and he shoots the one guy that he runs through, he gets shot four of the times. That was not for Creeper. That was for Navarro's character in respects to hindsight back to season three, when I'm me and him are sitting on our knees and I go back and we go to jail and then easy comes and kills, uh, what's his name? Um, from, I forget, I'm sorry. My, my, I lost the track with that, but yeah. that's what tied him in. So that was all fear, all excitement, but I was able to be a little boy, you know, with our, I tied in with our cameraman um, and we ran around and I got to play football you know, pretty much as creeper. I was a little boy playing high school football, ducking, hitting the B gap, hitting around, but it was watching the Molotov cocktail, getting the hit in the bicep, but being able to roll with it, right? But being able to use all these little kids and all they saw me as is this gang member. But I've been I've been this actor since I was a little boy trying to escape my pain, right? And to be able to tie it in all at once, man, it just has given me worthiness now. Yeah. So so you got a lot of scenes uh, with with Cody, a lot of heavy scenes in season four. And the you're talking about addiction. You're talking about violence. You're talking about the gang life. And uh, you're you're really showing, a, a, for lack of a better word, a softer side to Creeper. Was that was that therapeutic for Joseph Lucero to be able to talk about that on screen? Or was that a, was that still kind of a raw nerve that you're that you're mining for for acting? It, it was a raw nerve, but it was definitely something that I want because that's me. You know what I mean? Like, that's I'm not a tough guy by any means. You know what I mean? But I, I made it look like, it, you know what I mean? For, <laughs> for, for a past life, you know, that's that's what I wanted you to think. Right. But I'm not that person anymore by any means. But I'm able to use that person on stage. Right. Or in front on the camera. And that's so, yeah, that I, I enjoyed And that the beauty of this again, Elgin, he I already fit the description, right? I, I, it is me. It's embodied in who Joseph is. 
but let's really show who Joseph is. And I didn't know, I didn't want, like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? He, you know, he's like, I want to show them the truth, who you really are. The father, the, the, the one that loves his mom, the one that wishes he could change all the bad stuff he's ever done, you know, the giving back. And when I would hear this, I would like cringe up like, damn, dude, you know, you're talking about me. Like, you know, you're not, I'm still not used to it, even though it feels great. And that was, that was very, I, I, I yeah, it's weird to even say it out and verbally to you because it's, it's so humbling that he would want to put who I really am into a character, you know, like I'm thinking about all these pain and all the stuff from my, from jail and all this stuff that I could bring to Creeper and make it just pop. And he wants to bring, you know, this nice, compassionate, the little boy that really loves. And I thought that was amazing. And it taught me a lot, man. It opened my eyes to uh, the realism, the true storytelling, the, the really intimate moments. And, and that was amazing. That was amazing. And I'll never forget that. So I want to talk about season five for a little bit. Uh, you got, you have hair which is nice, um, <laughs> Thank you, sir. but also uh, easy, or I'm sorry, Creeper finds out that Easy's the rat. And I was curious about, curious about this in the scene where Easy uh, speaks with Creeper at the penitentiary. He, he, he sits there and, and for a second, he tries to explain his, his reasoning and Creeper's just not hearing it. He's just, he's so upset. So I'm curious, do you think there was any way that Creeper, if, if he heard the full story of, of Easy and why he was a rat, if, if Creeper would have understood or it's just a rat's a rat? I, I think that is a great question because I think that is what and who Creeper really is, is everything that comes out is always weighed out. And that's why his decision is always ran with loyalty and not necessarily um, and the negative loyalty, loyalty to what's right, like what's right. And sometimes like, like I don't want to go to certain parts, but in this in this is instance, I couldn't hear him saying that because the simple fact that I know that she found out and then she says how we got out with Jimenez. Well, I know when Smokey tells Creeper that and he says he, he gives me that whole story. And as Cre as Easy's telling me that in the in the visiting area, like I'm Creeper just he gets even more mad because now you're you're giving me full of shit because you walked out of prison and that's when you became a rat. You could have did your time. And we wouldn't be having this. So yeah, the rat, the rat is the rat. And that was the, that's a tough moment because it, it really taps into Joseph and the life that I had before, you know, walking away from that life, you become the opposition more or less, you know, you, you're not the the down homie because you're not till the wheels fall off till death, you know, and that's, that's hard because you believe in it. It's not a, it's not an act. It's not like, okay, I get to leave the, the character here and I get to go home. No, it's 24 seven for you. So that that was that was there was a lot of anxiety uh, in that scene, and that was beautiful because I trust JD. I've learned so much from JD since the moment we were at Wendy's that day that he went downstairs and came forty five minutes later and reread for somebody else because I knew he was going to read for somebody else because that they they do that and I was like oh what it is and I didn't know none of the characters because there was no names to these characters they had some other crazy ass shit like we were doing we were doing we were doing uh uh, inter, uh, uh auditions with like five of us in the room it was crazy I'd never done auditions like this it was almost like chaotic on purpose it was the show of course I believe the the uh the uh, ensemble but it was still like it was it was like a, a commercial audition it was it was just different um but JD, I watched him scrawny come underweight the first time we cast it. Then when we cast it on the second and third, 
uh, a pilot. And when he came in, he was just swelled up. I respected that because I'm an athlete and I just tripped on if he was that determined and disciplined. And I went down this whole rabbit hole on him, but I've watched him since then lead. Like he came in, oh my God, I'm getting this opportunity. Never once flinched and led, always openly spoke with me. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not up there. You know what I mean, I'm somebody down here playing my position and always treated me like one. And then it came down to this scene. That shit is amazing. That was beyond, like beyond, you know, and, and that just goes to show who JD is, you know, as, as a person and as an actor, he's just, wow. I think one of the most tragic aspects of Creeper's character is the relationship that he uh, develops and then loses with Cody, because I think that Creeper seemed genuinely in love with her. And he even invited her to meet the Mayans, but then she reveals she's a cop and, and there's that whole betrayal. Um, do you think that, because at the very end, she seems to still genuinely want to be with him. So do you think that there's any part of Creeper that wishes that he ran off with her and lived happily ever after? Or do you think, and do you think there was anything that she could have done to earn back his trust? He, if he wanted to, if he wanted to hurt her or kill her, he would have did that, right? You know what I mean? He loves her, and that that's enough. Creeper's so loyal that if he loved you once, I think he's not gonna try to do anything to fucking backstab you. But he's gonna do everything he can to stay the fuck away from you, right? Out of sight, out of mind type thing. Um, she kept coming back into sight, and I still needed her. And I think that 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 confuses and blocks, you know, your your resentments and love. You know, that that's a hard thing if you've ever had a relationship with a woman, you know, and you don't necessarily get along with her, but you still love her. So that's like that's the same thing that was so real with her. And to be honest, Creeper fell in love with Cody. Season four, Joseph Lucero fell in love with him. Like I had to allow this. I've never done that. The most insecure time was i was i'm not a model or supposed to be having sex scenes or naked that was i, I didn't realize and i've been you know asshole naked stripped down flashlight you know shine in places you don't want it spread you know i don't have like i they you can't do anything to me that's gonna you know make me feel insecure but here i was insecure on set in hollywood with with cody you know but i allowed creeper because i allowed creeper to fall in love that was hard so yes those scenes were real sitting in that when she comes to tell me who it is like that shit is real that for Joseph and creeper. And that, that was real love with that character. I wouldn't have heard her. And if I would have, that would have been a powerful scene. Yeah. That would have been really hard for me as a person. You know what I mean? That would have been a very powerful scene. So my last question for you, just quickly creeper, like I said, he's, he's gone from us for good. What do you think, or what would you want people to remember most about Creeper and what his legacy is? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, man, I don't, you know what? It, it's gotta be the loyalty, man. It's, it's, it's gotta be the loyalty and the love for his brothers, you know, just for the people in his life. I think anybody, cause I mean, it shows like the question you just asked about Cody, you know what I mean? Like he loved her. She wasn't loyal to him, but he loved her. And I think he holds his love for somebody if his love tells him that they're good, no matter what his belief system says, that means the love overpowers that, you know, and I think that was his like moral struggle within himself. So I would say loyalty and love for his family and his brothers, because that's his only family that he has or not, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for talking with me. I think uh, Creeper is a fascinating character and it was, it was definitely hard to see him go, but uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much, brother. You have a great one, man.